Hey folks, and welcome back to Prognosis Ohio, an Ohio healthcare podcast produced in collaboration with WCBE. I'm your host, Dan Skinner. I'm really excited about today's episode in which I talk with two Ohio high school students who are leaders in a statewide organization, Ohio Students for Gun Legislation. We've been in this all COVID all the time stretch and rightly so, but as our two guests explain, gun safety and understanding the dangers posed by crises like the one we're going through is an important public health minded thing to do. At a time when many Ohioans are feeling isolated, we're worried about upticks in domestic violence, including violence involving guns. And we know that the mass unemployment many Ohioans are facing and the hopelessness they may feel, as well as depression and anxiety generally, has historically led to an uptick in suicide by gun. But in talking with these two students, Ethan and Jillian, the current moment serves as another dark backdrop, especially since the past few months, with schools closed, have been two rare months without a mass school shooting at an American school. But I assure you, this episode is not only depressing and heavy, you'll be super hopeful after hearing how dynamic and committed these two young Ohioans are. As President Obama said in his high school graduation speech on Saturday, the truth is that these students don't need us to tell them what to do, because in so many ways, they've already started to lead. As always, before turning to my conversation with today's guests, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to Prognosis Ohio wherever you get your podcasts, and consider following us on Twitter at at PrognosisOhio. Also, if you have ideas for show themes or interviews, please don't hesitate to email us at prognosisohio at gmail.com. We're really excited about the next bunch of shows we have coming, which will include an episode discussing the state of nursing 200 years after Florence Nightingale was born, framed, of course, by the current public health crisis. With that said, a bunch of you have already subscribed and become Prognosis Ohio patrons, and we're super appreciative for that. If a few more of you could chip in the three bucks, it would really help us to grow the show. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sure to get you one of the cool Prognosis Ohio t-shirts we're going to be making, and we'll also reserve you a VIP seat at the Prognosis Ohio WCBE event we're planning, several months from now, of course, and only when we feel it's safe to be doing this kind of thing. Visit patreon.com slash prognosisohio to chip in $3 a month and become a Prognosis Ohio Patreon. That's patreon.com slash prognosisohio. And thanks. Ethan Nichols is a high school junior who's founder and executive director of Ohio Students for Gun Legislation. Jillian Murray is a sophomore at Fairfield High School in Butler County. She's a deputy executive director for Ohio Students for Gun Legislation. Please be sure to visit our show notes at wcbe.org under the podcast experience tab, where we're going to be posting information about Ohio Students for Gun Legislation, including ways in which you can contribute to their work. We'll also have their social media information so you can follow, friend, and whatever else one does. Okay, now to my conversation with Ethan Nichols and Jillian Murray. So Jillian and Ethan from Ohio Students for Gun Legislation, thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thank you. So I guess let's start with a very basic question that I've been asking everybody that I've talked with during this COVID-19 pandemic. You know, how are you? How's your stay-at-home experience been? Anything, you know, that you want to begin with just to kind of get the conversation rolling that's been going on in your lives? Um, well, I think, you know, we've all been adapting to online classes, um, moving to a more digital world, using things like Zoom, um, Skype more often. Yeah. Um, but I've been I've been doing well uh, as an introvert. I think this has been probably a little easier for me than it has been for some other people. 
you were built for this already, right? You've been practicing yeah. for this your whole life. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Jillian? You know, I was, when I first heard about the stay at home order, I was really, you know, I was feeling pretty bad about it. But honestly, it's been better than I thought it would be. I feel like I'm in a pretty decent place most days. And, you know, it's nice to have some time with the family when otherwise everything's so crazy busy. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's a silver lining is that people are, I think, finding new ways to be together and rethinking what it means to be together. Just like now with the reopening, we're kind of rethinking what does it mean to be a community? How do, you know, we don't want to just become the same community that we were. We want to be better. We want to uh, be safer. Um, And um, obviously we're concerned about making sure that we don't undo the work we've done through the stay-at-home order. So there's absolutely a a lot of, there's a lot of tension around that. And, And I guess that actually, you know, opens up our conversation nicely, which is, you know, I think we started talking, Ethan and I originally, because on social media, there was this conversation going on around, you know, this kind of dark fact that the last month was really the first month in probably a decade that we haven't had a school shooting because schools have been closed. And that's a kind of you know, amazing, uh, dark way to look at, you know, the, the situation we've been through. Now, you both work with Ohio Students for Gun Legislation. Ethan, you're the executive director, and uh, Jillian, you're the deputy executive director. I guess, you know, maybe I'll just put the question to Ethan to start. Can you just tell us what Ohio Students for Gun Legislation is? Yeah, sure. So we are a student-led, nonpartisan political advocacy organization um, dedicated to ending gun violence in America. Um, we're the Ohio chapter of a national organization um, students for Gun Legislation, um, and we are a 501c4 nonprofit. Um, so a lot of our work uh, revolves around advocacy and education, so kind of trying to change the conversation around gun violence, uh, promoting legislation at the state and federal level, um, and then also um, political advocacy organization related to candidates. Um, so finding candidates who align with our goals uh, and supporting them, and then working against candidates who don't support our goals. Great. So, you know, listeners are going to know, I'm, I'm guessing, the basic idea. And we, we, we have talked about guns on this show a few times. Um, but, you know, intuitively, we understand why guns are a public health issue. Um, and of course, we're talking at this moment, as we've already you know mentioned, during another crisis, during the COVID crisis. Can you, can you explain to me a little bit how you and your organization, and this is for, you know, for Jillian or for Ethan, how, how does your organization think about the intersection of guns and health? Why, why are guns a health issue? I mean, you could look at that a couple different ways. One thing that I've been really focusing on and thinking about is during this pandemic, you know, I mean, the whole nation is on quarantine, is on lockdown. And for a lot of people, that means being stuck inside with their abusers with really no escape. Domestic violence has skyrocketed and with the lack of communication among some people suicides also you know gun owners that just puts so much more danger on the situation now with the fact that there's really no way to escape where you are without you know breaking quarantine yeah well i think um obviously domestic violence and suicides are a big part of it but i think if this has taught us one thing it's that what people like to consider gun violence, um, what the media covers are mass shootings, um, you know, especially in white neighborhoods, um, school shootings, especially. Uh, but that's really not the crux of, that's not the core of what gun violence is in this country. 
because um, the biggest problem related to gun violence in this country are inner, sh inner city shootings, um, street violence, um, issues like that. Um, and I think what we've noticed is that we have a month without school shootings and the media is not talking about gun violence anymore. But we still have lots of inner city violence going on. In fact, Cincinnati um, has had very high levels of inner city gun violence going on in March. In fact, higher than every other month in the last year. More homicides in March when everyone's supposed to be in quarantine. So I think it really relates to how, how we view gun violence. In healthcare, one of the things that, and this has come up on every episode we've done for the last few weeks, you know, we we are so focused on this that we aren't noticing these other things right in front of us, whether that's diabetes or cancer or gun violence, right? And uh, what you're pointing to is just the fact that the the focus isn't there. But you know, why why are we seeing this elevation in other kinds of shootings that you've alluded to? Well, I think a big part of that is the fact that schools are out right now. Um, and it's the same kind of thing we see in summer months, because during the summer, we see increased levels of violence. And it's because um, lower income students don't have a place to go. Um, schools provide meals, and they also provide a place for um, young teenagers, especially, to be during the day. Um, and you know, we see statistically during summer months, um, that's usually when we have higher rates of gun violence. And right now, uh, when students aren't at school and it's harder to enforce attendance policies virtually, we're seeing a lot more uh, gun violence happening um, on our streets. And I think there's a direct correlation to the way that we treat students, inner city students, and how um, schools play an important role in not only feeding a lot of students, but also keeping them out of trouble. Yeah, that's something I think people don't talk about nearly enough. We, we were very clear at the beginning when schools shut down, uh, we were concerned about who was taking care of, especially younger kids. Um, and we were also very concerned about uh, the, the just the really important role that schools play, as you noted, in feeding children. But you're pointing to another sort of aspect, which is what are children doing? Where are they? Is there any structure to their day? And um, the supervisory kind of role. Now that's the kind of out and an out and about part. You've also highlighted this within the home part, which is domestic violence, right? And you know, hotlines have been lighting up with abuse reports during the stay-at-home orders. Yes. Um, and you know, I wonder if we could just talk about that for a minute. So, with the domestic violence piece, how does that? I mean, do you think that that's something that people really understand? that when we talk about gun legislation, you're not just talking about taking your weapons because as, as the, sometimes the, um, the, the protesters will, will frame it, it's not just a second amendment uh, sort of defend yourself against others, but we're talking about what happens within homes. Do you think people get that? No, um, I really don't actually. I mean, it's not always a political statement like this gun legislation, it's it's really not. It's not about taking away anybody's rights, anybody's protection, but it's become especially obvious in times like this, you know, not just domestic violence, but as I mentioned earlier, suicides, where now there's not as much communication to the outside world. And that makes it much harder to talk about and really get a look and get to the root 
of what's going on inside the home lives of these people. The name of your organization is specifically pointing to legislation. What kind of legislation could address that piece, the specific domestic violence piece? There is there's some legislation that we have been doing research on and we include in our policy brief, um, which talks about how, and so a few measures. One, um, a state and federal um, Bureau of Gun Violence Prevention uh, and a director of gun violence prevention at a federal and state level. So at the state level within the Department of Public Health, um, working to find solutions to end gun violence in all forms, you know, not just mass shootings, but also domestic violence, suicides, um, inner city violence, things like that. So that and also increasing uh, funding in the state budget for local gun violence prevention programs. Uh, we've worked with a group called Cincinnati Works before and the Phoenix program, and they provide um, job training and mentors to inner city um, young people especially uh, who are in poverty and are considered at risk uh, to commit violence or be victims of gun violence. Um, so increasing fundings for programs that like that, uh, not just at a federal level, but especially at a state level, which is where we can really have a big impact. Um, so increasing funding for those kinds of programs, I think is a key part of that. So when the COVID-19 pandemic first arrived, you know, a lot of us who work in healthcare and, and health issues, um, we're really concerned, you know, about the mental health component of the pandemic. And we've already talked a little bit about domestic violence, which can be related to that. We're just talking about a, a real difficult domestic situation that might be made more difficult during this time and make people feel more isolated, more helpless. And there's been a lot of outreach, I have to say. That you, you go on websites that are reaching out to people who are at risk of domestic violence, and they they give very quick ways to close the browser if they have to. Um, there have been a lot of people working on reaching out to people to make sure that they do know that they're not alone, that just because we're under a stay-at-home order doesn't mean we expect people to stay in dangerous situations. But the mental health piece, as Jillian has kind of alluded already, is really linked closely with suicide, which is a major cause of death in the US. I don't think a lot of people realize that. And also, it's related to just economic downturns. And we're looking at a really big one right now. A lot of people losing their jobs. There's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of depression there. Um, so we would expect suicide rates to rise. Can you tell us about how that issue fits into the larger efforts that you as students are doing? Well, I think another aspect of mental health issues, um, obviously isolation um, can you know, lead to increased mental health issues. Um, and I think a lot of young people um, suffer from, already suffer from mental health issues. And obviously this really isn't helping that. And then obviously people um, with economic concerns, lower income brackets, um, those people obviously, you know, you know, are being furloughed or they aren't receiving the benefits they need. And that is definitely, I would say, leading to increased mental health issues. And that leads directly to suicides. Um, obviously, but also queer youth, I think, um, are a group that are especially at risk uh, statistically to commit um, suicide or to be a victim of gun violence, whether that be a hate crime or something else. And I think that's something that's not being talked about enough right now. Jillian, you know, in Butler County, um, I know that uh, Ethan is in Hamilton County, you're in Butler County. Is it the same kind of situation? I mean, do you look at it in similar ways Ethan just gave us uh, a picture of? 
Absolutely. Um, I feel like it's important to mention that, you know, despite everything that's been closed down, shops have closed down, places where you could have previously connected with people are closed down, gun stores have stayed open, gun stores are being considered an essential business, which mm-hmm. that in itself sort of poses the statement that while the rest of the outside world seems to be unreachable, guns are just as in reach as they ever were. So not only is it harder to connect with people, it's harder to, con- to connect with people and just as easy to get your hands on a weapon. Yeah, we saw everybody really you know, freaking out about uh, whether they were going to get toilet paper or not. But I, I know that anxiety also manifests in an increase in gun sales, too. Yeah, um, Ohio gun sales are actually we're facing the second highest gun sales ever recorded in, in the state of Ohio. And again, that's so much out of fear. And that's so much a message of the fact that some people are seeing us as becoming a nation that's dependent on having weapons at every turn. Um, suspicion, fear, anxiety. That's what's contributed to this becoming an essential business is it's now being seen as necessities it's the only way to protect yourself. It's the only way you're going to really be ready for anything. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of resources could have been saved if we'd spent less time on gun stores as essential businesses and more time getting the things that we really need to beat this pandemic. So the name of your organization, Ethan and Jillian, is Ohio Students for Gun Legislation. And here in Ohio, you know, of course, there's a diversity of views on this issue. And I'm guessing that you know quite a few people who you know you align with in your thinking, but also I'm guessing you know quite a few people with whom you don't align, um, mm-hmm. who think, for example, that their rights to guns, uh, you know, is is uh, you know more uh, important than the public safety message that you are driving. I'm curious, just how do you talk with adults and how do you talk with other kids, uh, you know, with whom you disagree about it? Like what what works? So that's something that I've honestly really struggled with the past two years. Last year in my freshman year, that's when I started going to Fairfield High School, and in my county, I would say that I've met more people that think that way about guns. And I've really had to learn how to, you know, really talk to people and get to the root of what exactly this is. And no, I mean, it's all about finding common ground. What, what is it? Have you found any? I have, actually. And I can't necessarily say that I agree with everything that's been said, but I think we have found common ground. And that's a safer world. Most, mm-hmm. most gun owners, I won't say all, I mean... Obviously, if it were all gun violence, would not be an issue. But I've spoken to a lot of good people that own guns that just want public safety the same as the rest of us do. And it's hard to see sometimes. And again, I don't necessarily agree with it. But if you can't connect with other people that have different views than you, then, you know, you can't expect to reach anybody. Ethan, what, what have you found that works um, as well? Well, I think there are a lot of people, unfortunately, who really dismiss youth. They, they think that our opinions don't matter or we're not educated enough or we haven't researched the issues. 
Um, and I think pushing back on that and you know pointing out that yes, we have um, is very important, and also engaging uh, with people, finding common ground, like Jillian said, and pointing out um, things like there was an article uh, this weekend that talked about how you know in the 1960s the NRA was were the ones promoting gun control because they didn't want the Black Panthers to have firearms. They were um, afraid of that. So I think pointing out that, you know, the NRA has evolved over time, obviously. Um, they have, they started out as a responsible gun ownership, you know, to train gun owners. That was the core mission of the NRA for a long time. And I think that's really evolved to where the NRA, they're a lobbying organization first and foremost, and they're also representative of the uh, gun industry there. It's about money at this point. And I think pointing out to gun, own, uh, gun owners that, you know, 97% of Americans support universal background checks. And the NRA supported universal gun background checks in the 1960s and 70s when it was regarding people that didn't look like them. So, you know, let's just think, uh, this is my final question. Uh, as you build your organization, I know you're putting together a 501c4, um, which, you know, if listeners aren't aware, so, you know, 501c4s are allowed to do advocacy. You're allowed to endorse candidates. Tell us about what it looks like as you move forward. And you're building this movement that hopefully will also bring in more and more students around the state and will hopefully last, you know, outlast you for sure, right? You'll pass the baton to somebody at some point. Um, what does the future of the organization look like? So I think moving during the COVID era, moving digital um, is going to be a big part of what our movement looks like. Um, expanding on social media and other digital platforms. Um, we're looking at some new online organizing tools um, and we're going to be launching some new fundraising pages um, this month. And then also, um, I think obviously, you know, recently someone asked me, you know, what do you see your organization looking like in 10 years? And I, my response was, well, hopefully in 10 years, we aren't an organization because we, hopefully we don't have to exist in, you know, five, 10 years from now. Hopefully our leaders will have acted and gun violence isn't the issue that it is now. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of partisanship around the issue and I don't, I don't foresee action being taken at a national level right now. I think 2020 is going to be an important year. Um, so I think really focusing on electing candidates who believe in common sense gun laws, because that's what these are. They're common sense. 97% of Americans support background checks. 65% of Americans support an assault weapons ban. So looking, showing people the statistics and combating disinformation, I think is going to be a big part of this because there's a lot of disinformation going around about gun laws. Well, Jillian Murray and Ethan Nichols, thanks so much for you know sharing some of your perspectives with our listeners. And I hope this is the first of many conversations as you grow the organization. And you know, I hope the rest of your stay at home, end of semester, whatever it is, are really uh, as, as good as you can make them. So thanks for taking some time. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for so much for having us. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by Dan Skinner and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark Franz. You can find show notes for this episode on WCBE's webpage at wcbe.org. It's under the podcast experience tab. Please take a minute to subscribe to Prognosis Ohio, follow us on Twitter at, at Prognosis Ohio, and friend us on Facebook. Also, we're going to be testing out some Instagram material for this episode, so check that out as well. 
As always, we encourage you to email us your suggestions and your feedback at prognosisohio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and be well, friends.